Blog Talk Radio. Everybody. My name is Sarah Utoff, and uh, we are listening to Trundle Bed Tales. This is the podcast about Laura Ingalls Wilder, historic foodways, one-room schools, and other social history. I'm the creator of Trundle Bed Tales, and find us all around the web under T- Trundle Bed Tales on your social media pl- favorite social media platform. If you listen or just have an account on iTunes, please leave positive feedback because that helps people find the show. This is episode 85 of Trundle Bed Tales, and it is going to be an interview with Nancy Copel of the South Dakota State Historical Society Press. Now, uh, unfortunately, we are having a little bit of trouble calling out, but hopefully she will be calling in here in a minute. So in the meantime, I think it's time for a little housekeeping. But if you hear that sound, which is the noise made by washing metal plates in a metal wash tub on the stove, then you know it's time for a little housekeeping. And here on Trundle Bed Tales, our housekeeping means giving you the information you may need about the show. If you ever want to listen to an episode live, but you don't want to just stream it through the computer, you can call in at 714-242-5253. That's 714-242-5253. Or toll free 1-877-633-9389. That's toll free 1-877-633-9389. You can also use those same numbers to call in and ask a question and otherwise be on the show. Just make sure that you hit 1 when they ask you to so the little symbol comes up and I know you have a question so that you want to talk. Anytime you're streaming an episode, you can also join in the chat room. Unless there is some technical issue, I always open it up. And we're just going to check here. Uh, Nancy, is this you? It's me, yes. Oh, great. Uh, Now I'm going to put you back in the green room for just a second here and finish the housekeeping, and then I will be right back with you. Okay. All right. Uh, And uh, in addition for uh, following up our housekeeping, uh, we have another episode coming up next week on Thursday the 23rd. At 8 p.m. Central Time, we are going to be talking with Lynn Belusco, who is, uh, among other things, she's the head of the Jello Museum. But she's her family is having a sugar bush for maple syrup making for a couple of generations, and so she's going to talk to us about the history of maple syrup, just like Laura talks about in Little House in the Big Woods. Also, coming up on my presentation schedule, we've got one for me this month. I'm going to be in State Center, Iowa, 
which surprisingly is in the exact center of the state. Uh, and I'm going to be doing In the Kitchen with Laura at the Gut. I'm not sure how to pronounce this public library name, Gutenist. If you're, it's the Public Library and State Center. Uh, and then I have a couple programs coming up in April. April 6th, we're going to be doing In the Kitchen with Laura at the Clinton Women's Club. And April 18th, I'm going to be doing In the Kitchen with Laura at the Des Moines Public Library Central Branch. And I've got a couple of one-room school programs for actual schools coming up, and that's April. So I think that is all our housekeeping so I'm going to uh, go ahead and finish up. And I am going to give Nancy a big thank you for being flexible and calling in. I don't know what the trouble was. I tried on the cell phone and through the computer, and it wouldn't let me through. So thank you so much for calling in. Well, you're welcome. Okay. Now, uh, we are going to be talking about a couple things with Nancy today. She is a person involved in one of my very favorite home site stories. And we're also going to talk about Pioneer Girl, which she helped publish. And what everybody, I hope, has on their calendar already, the Laura Ingalls Wilder Conference in April, which I personally have been looking forward to for an entire year. So I hope you are, too, uh, which is now open for registration. So before we get going and all that, Nancy, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I um, was born and raised in Mitchell, South Dakota, which is about 70 miles south and west of DeSmit. So I've been, Laura Ingalls Wilder has been close to my to me both geographically and um, I suppose literarily and emotionally for for most of my life. Um, I am at this point in time the director of the research and publishing program and the South Dakota State Historical Society Press of the South Dakota State Historical Society and also director of the Pioneer Girl Project, which are all intertwined things. Well, I have to say, if anybody has not dealt with the South Dakota State Historical Society, I went to the conference last year, and I was thoroughly impressed. I mean, uh, I was used to Iowa's system, and South Dakota is better organized. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have friends in the Iowa State Historical Society, but truth is truth. And really, it seems to be a phenomenal system, and the conference was great, so I'm really looking forward to that. And, um, well, thank but, you. But before we get into that, how was there some specific way you got interested in Laura other than being so close to her geographically? Well, I think like many uh, people that get um, introduced to Laura, I was introduced by a, a grade school teacher reading the the started with the long winter reading it after lunch uh, in uh, I, I believe it was the fifth grade, and that just started me down the down the path I went to the library and got all the rest of the books and I actually wrote about a blog about this um which you can find on on the pioneer girl um um let's see pioneergirlproject.org website so if anybody's interested <laughs> Well, I'll I'll look up the link and put it on the show notes when I go ahead and get this uh, written up for the blog. Okay, um, great. So, 
one of my all-time favorite Laura Ingalls Wilder home site stories is the finding of Ma and Pa's portraits uh, in DeSmet. And I had always heard the story. And when I found out that you were the actual person who found them, I was so excited. I was geeking out the same way I geeked out when I saw the Walnut Grove uh, High School gym where the first pageant was. So uh, could you tell us that story in your own words? Well, I can tell you what I remember of it. This story goes back to the 1980s when I was um, editing South Dakota History magazine and working with Bill Anderson, who was, we did did a couple of his articles in South Dakota History based on his master's thesis. And um, he had told me that he was pretty sure that the, um, the charcoal portraits of Ma and Pa were at the at the South Dakota State Historical Society, and I said, "Boy, I've never seen them." I asked the the state archives if they were aware of them, and they were not. And so I just told Bill, I said, "I'll keep an eye out for them as I'm looking, uh, as I because as the editor of South Dakota History back in the day, um, nobody I was a staff of one, <laughs> so I was." Um, busy. Um, uh, I was always looking for photographs within the society to illustrate um, the magazine. So what I did was, you know, go through the man- the, the uh, photographs fairly frequently, but I had never seen these uh, photographs. But then I discovered one time when I was looking, I think for military uh, photographs, that there was another oversized cabinet up in the library that also had photographs. So I was up there to to look for something completely different, and I opened either the first or the second drawer of this cabinet, and there sat Ma and Pa. And so it was it was a it was an exciting moment for me, and exciting for Bill when I told him, and Bill then arranged to have the. Um, uh, the Loringles Wilder Memorial Society and to Smith uh, copy the photographs so that they could hang them in the the Ingalls home where they originally hung <laughs> many many years ago. And the cool part is they weren't labeled, right? You just saw them and knew that was Ma and Pa. The, nobody so had ever labeled those. Nobody, the, the family had never put anything on them. Um, and if the museum had put on it, uh, what I'm suspecting they might have done is put a paper label on them. And I don't know if you know about those paper labels, but they oh, have yeah. a limited life. <laughs> And they were and they were gone by that time. So yeah, if you're lucky, they fluttered down in the same box. If you're exactly. Lucky. If and you're that lucky. they're still eligible. That's right. Another question. Right. Um, and I I just love that part that you just saw them and knew that was Ma and Pa. I just yeah. love that to death. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You right. know, it took it took somebody who knew. That's that's absolutely right. Now, um, there, uh, I want to kind of move on and talk about Pioneer Girl a bit. And I will tell you that my personal history with Pioneer Girl was I found out about it, and I'm not sure if it was a forward or an afterward 
in one of the books that Roger Lee McBride had arranged to be published. And it said that it, Pioneer Girl was coming out in 1984. So I waited and I waited and it was January 1st, 1984. And I was just, I couldn't wait. There was going to be Pioneer Girl was coming out to be published. And I was so excited and I waited and I waited and I waited and nothing uh-huh. happened in 1984. And there were about two other times when you heard stories that it was coming out. And I got all excited and nothing happened. So I must admit, I did not believe you when you said you were going to publish Pioneer Girl. Yeah. I figured it was waiting till I died before it yeah. came out. So yeah. I, that was a long wait. So tell us how yeah. did it finally end up working out? How did you come to publish it? Well, you know, it's it, it. How did we? You know, I I have to say that Bill Anderson is is the person who knows the the story of the 1980s, um, which he's going to share with people at the at the uh, history conference. So, stay tuned. Um, but the story of Pioneer Girl from from our perspective really starts in uh, 2000 and at the end of 2005 when the press um, commissioned an autobiography, or not an autobiography, but a biography of Laura Ingalls Wilder, uh, which from Pamela Smith Hill, which we published in 2007. And we also sponsored a research trip for Pam to the Hoover. And it was at the Hoover that she, you know, uh, was able to access the um, um, the um, uh, typescripts of Pioneer Girl. And she overheard a conversation. She's told this story many, story many times, but she overheard a conversation with one of the curators there with a fan on the phone about Pioneer Girl. And afterward, he said that that was the single most requested uh, thing from from their uh, Lauren Goes Wilder papers. And so she and I started talking about this, um, I suppose. Can I, I, I'm going to interrupt you just a second. In case you, anybody doesn't know, uh, the original of the TypeScript is held at the Hoover Presidential Library. And the reason um, it, it hadn't been published, you could get it from the Hoover, but their copying rates are set by Washington, D.C. These are not Midwest copyrights, so it's like 50 cents a page. So to get Pioneer Girl, it was a major, major thing. You had to really be a fan. So it it has been out there a long time, heavily used by a lot of scholars, but it it was relatively inaccessible. inaccessible. You know, you you could get copies. They were expensive. I don't know if they were any more expensive than the book itself in the end, but, um, yeah, you could get copies, but it um, it was not easy. And and just to to follow up what you're saying a little bit, the original handwritten copy of Pioneer Girl is in Mansfield, and the typescripts, um, of which there are uh, at least three, are at the Hoover. Okay, so she'd heard a conversation, and they said it was the most requested um, article. Right, document would be yeah yes they did and so she she would said to me on a number of occasions you know I really think we need to think about you know publishing this uh, um, 
this pioneer girl. And I said, you know, yeah, I agree. You know, I think that's a good idea. And we talked about how you might do that. Would it be yet? Uh, which which copy of it would you go for? You know, so we discussed things like that. Which which copy would you do? The original? Would you do the buy copy? And the buy copy is the most polished one that actually circulated in the 1930s to publishers. So which which one would you uh, would you publish? And so we talked about this for a couple of years, actually, on and off. And then finally in 2009, I said, you know, it's time to let's get serious about this. And I asked Pam to put her ideas on paper. And um, then we, and then I took the proposal. I, I created a um, uh, production concept and uh, financial package and took that to the trust. And um, they decided that the time was right. And then I think the thing that probably gave a lot of people who knew that it was about to be published in 1984 was supposed to be published in the 80s pause is that it took us a year, uh, almost two years longer than we originally uh, estimated that it would take. So I think people thought, oh, no, here we go again. Um, because I we <laughs> because we originally came out with the concept. We, well, we hope we were very hopeful. I think the whole thing was bigger than than we than we really realized. But we were very hopeful that we would get it out in 2013 originally. And you know, we'd started at the end of 2010. Um, so it was it was it seemed doable, but in the end, it just wasn't doable. So we now. We, Go ahead. I was just going to say it was just much more work than we thought and, you know, much more research than we anticipated. Um, We wanted to do it as thoroughly as we could, and that just took a lot of time. So uh, one of the features of the book is, if anybody hasn't read it or seen it, uh, it is Laura's text, but there are also a lot of annotations in it. Who did those annotations? Well, that was kind of a team effort. Um, Pam, of course, Pamela, Pamela Smith Hill, who's the editor of the of the volume, of course, did many of them. Um, but the the editors of the Pioneer Girl Project also did a lot of the fundamental research and writing of some of the. Um, some of the annotations. All of the newspaper research, for example, was done here. Um, much of the government document research, uh, much of the uh, census uh, research, just things of that sort were the preliminary research was done here in Pier, where the document, where you know, much of the documentation is. Were the home site museums involved? You know, they were, and they were very, they were excellent partners uh, in this enterprise. Um, they were involved in a number of different kinds of ways. They they were a source of, of information in terms of um, photographs, um, original documents, um, letters, um, the documentation of, you know, the the Memorial Society in DeSmit, for example, has a lot of documentation related to uh, Pa Engel or Charles Engel's 
uh, career in life. And that's they, right. We they, all call him Pa. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, they, and they were exceedingly open um, and generous with that material, and they have been excellent partners in in helping us get the word out uh, after the fact, at once the book was out, and in being enthusiastic supporters of the book. So we just couldn't ask for better partners than, than they've been. Now, with the rollout of publications, there was, I think, what only can be described as a tidal wave of interest. When did you first <laughs> when did you first suspect sales were going to be stronger than you expected? Uh, usually academic books don't do that. No, they they truly don't. And you know, we agonized a lot about how many to to uh to do to put out on in the first printing. We had originally always worked with the with the figure of 5,000 as the first print run. And when we when we um, we could tell as we were you know as the book was in production you know we got we, there were some AP stories there was starting to be interest so by the time we actually ordered the the first printing uh, we had about seven thousand pre-orders uh, which told us of course that we needed to to do more than five thousand so we did. We doubled that and did the first print one. Run was fifteen thousand, and within two weeks we knew we well within two weeks we'd ordered a, a second printing. So I mean we knew right away uh, after it was out that that it was going to be big. <laughs> so so uh, what was the frenzy like from the inside? I mean you started having articles rolling out and national publications, and I think people were were um, kind of demanding, judging by the comments I saw of people online, because, you know, the Amazon didn't fulfill, uh, right. you know, for months. Right. Well, we just really, Amazon, I don't, you know, I don't really know how that happened, but Amazon didn't really have a significant order in until, you know, or at least not one that we were aware of until um late in the game and i i i i think frankly the book just caught everybody unaware and it was it was um it was it was it was you asked the question of what was it like on the inside well it was exciting but it was also pretty pretty um frenzied you know we were we didn't have any more staff or any more uh, um, hours in the day than we had before, and we were dealing with this blockbuster that we couldn't couldn't ship out fast enough, couldn't get printed fast enough, and so it was it <laughs> it was uh, somebody said, "What a great problem to have!" Yeah, it was a great problem to have, but you know, once in a while, my staff would just say, "I'm done. I'm not. I'm not going to." I'm not going to package one more book this week. So it just, it it had its ups and downs. It was also, you know, frightening in the sense that the the bigger the order we would put in, the the third printing, for example, was for 45,000. That's just huge. And, you know, when you think about the book industry, which um, your big distributors 
um, have up to four months to pay for the books they order, you're really working with a with a negative in terms of of income coming in and and um, income going out. So if there were times when it was just flat out scary. <laughs> so are sales still coming in? It's been a couple years since the book came yes, out. Yes, actually they are. It stayed really pretty. You know, I mean, it's like any book; it's fallen off. Um, the first year is the is the big year for book sales, and then they trail off. And and it has trailed off, but it still sells, uh, and it still sells strongly compared to all of our other titles. So it is. Now, I didn't warn you I was going to ask this, but do you have an approximate number of the copies you've sold? I do have an approximate number. It's about 160,000 at this point. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, those, those are sold and paid for. There are still some that are sold but not paid for. We don't talk about those yet. So, I mean, is that more than your other books put together? Uh, Pretty much, yeah, I would say so. You know, we've had some nice sales. We have some kids' books that do very well. Um, Our biography series, uh, of which... um, uh, Lauren Gill's Wilder, A Writer's Life is a, is a component of that. That series does very well, and that book has done very well. Um, but nothing in, to this scope or scale. It's just, it's just, it's just I, really wonderful. I like the L. Frank Baum book about the little gopher. That is so oh, cute. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's the guy who wrote Wizard of Oz, if you're That's listening and don't know. Um uh, so yes, uh, it's coming in so popularly that you're planning a series of follow-ups. So tell right. us something about them. Well, the first follow-up it will come out in May, and it's called Pioneer Girl Perspectives, um, exploring Laura Ingalls Wilder. And what that what what this is is a is a it's a book about Wilder. It's not by Wilder. It's a, a book of essays um, where um you know nine different i think 10 different authors talk about uh Laura Ingalls Wilder and you know i asked them actually to 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 um address the question of what uh pioneer girl brings to the table in terms of understanding the career of Laura Ingalls Wilder uh i asked them to uh, and uh, try and Give some reason for the enduring uh, success of Loringles Wilder, and um, it, the the resulting book I think you're going to enjoy quite a bit. Um, and the 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 speakers um, for the, the authors of those essays are the speakers at the history conference this year. So uh, you've done this one with the Pioneer Girl perspective. That's almost out. What I, I think you have a couple more planned. Uh, any word on them yet? Not re- yes, there will be um, at at the conference. That's one of the things we'll we'll uh, unveil at the conference is where we go oh. from here. Okay, so everybody needs to come. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> All right. So since we sort of brought it up, let's use that as a nice natural transition to talking about the conference. Okay. Uh, so 
uh, this is the yearly conference of the South Dakota State Historical Society. Now, it is an annual conference. The, what's special about Laura this year is the theme. But before we get into the Laura part, um, I think maybe other years people might be interested in coming back. It really, sincerely, I would say that it was either the best or at least in the top three best organized conferences I have ever attended. And I attend a lot of different conferences. <laughs> so well, uh, they, may want, they may want to go another year. So can you tell us a little bit about what you normally expect in this conference, kind of how the layout and schedule works? Mm-hmm, I can. Um, the, the conference is the, the State Historical Society has five different programming areas, museum, archives, archaeology, um, historic preservation, research and publishing, and I'm missing one, but or maybe not. But the, the archaeology? Archaeology, right. And the, the, the conference planning rotates among those specialty areas. This year, research and publishing is in charge. It was the 150th anniversary of Wilder. It just seemed like a natural to, of, of Wilder's birth, so it just seemed like a natural to do Wilder. Um, next year, the conference will be planned and um, managed by the archaeology program. So it's likely to focus on um, archaeology, anthropology, um, the early um, uh, peoples of, the, st- of um, the region and the state and that sort of thing. It'll be held in Rapid City, um, South Dakota. Um, the year after that, I'm not sure who's in charge, but it'll go back to, it'll come back to peer at that point, and um, the, it, it, I think it's either the museum or the archives that will be planning that meeting, and I don't know the theme yet, um, so can't help you there, <laughs> but it, it'll probably be a more general theme dealing with with something. Um, we've had a number of different themes through the years. I, I can't remember what the theme was last year when you Food came. Ways. Food ways. ways. Yep, yep, that was a good one. Food ways. We've done uh, sports and recreation. Uh, we've done education, uh, with, as interestingly as you can do education. <laughs> Sorry. Um, just different topics, and and the program that's in charge will pick the topics. So you just kind of have to watch it. But it's 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 always been um, organized around two two days two days. Um, it actually there's a pre-conference fundraising uh, event on the Thursday before the conference gets started. Um, this year we will be featuring this new book uh, as a pre-release and the and, and a, a signing by all the authors um, at the com- at that event. Um, then the next morning we'll start bright and early at eight eight forty five I think it is with a conference overview and then each of the we've 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 set it up a little differently this year so that each of there'll be the nine speakers that are going to speak mostly in pairs um like uh, on on t- certain topics but then we're going to do a series of panels so that we can look at you know specific questions such as Laura Ingalls Wilder's and Rose Wilder Lane's politics and how that affects 
their writing or doesn't affect their writing. We'll look at Lauren Gilles, uh, um, Rose Wilder Lane and uh, whether she's editor, collaborator, ghostwriter. We'll just we're just going to explore Jins with all these very um, people who have put a lot of. Uh, thought into these questions and so and then of course we'll open it up to the audience for for questions and and uh, give and take so i think it's going to be a fun conference frankly and let's just warn people who may be coming uh, because if you don't if you haven't gone to a conference before sometimes you don't know the little some little things about it and one thing is uh, i think it's the second day's lunch there are awards that are given out that's correct. The 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 first day's luncheon we will have a a conference speaker. In fact, it's going to be Noel Silverman who is the um counsel for the Little House Heritage Trust and he will speak at that luncheon. Um but the second day it is an awards luncheon for um awards, awards given out by the State Historical Society for historical um, for various um, people, such as the historical or the history teacher of the year, different kinds of things like that. So, so it's, it's so they all ahead, have to sorry. do South Dakota. No, sorry, I was just going to say they all have to do with South Dakota history, not Laura stuff. So when they start saying awards, don't expect to have you know the best Laura Bog post or anything like that. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. We just haven't gone there. Okay, because, you know, I'd walk away with that one. But, okay, so so that's kind of includes about how you kind of picked Laura and sort of what the theme is. So what are the dates of the conference? Um, It's the 27th through the 29th of April, 2017. And uh, where is it going to be held? At the Holiday Inn City Center in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, and that is really a very nice thing. I'm glad you decided to do that because uh, normally, uh, as you mentioned, these conferences are held either in Pier or over in Rapid City. And right. those are quite a ways in for people not coming from South Dakota. Right. Uh, so uh, I think that might have uh, er, uh, increased attendance a little bit, too. So so um, do you know uh, if people are still looking at traveling in, uh, what would be uh, the what you'd recommend the best way of how they get there? Well, well, it depends. You know, there's there's. Um... I'm not sure what you mean by that. Of course, there's uh, there's an airport there, and um, do you mean by so they blood? could so they could just fly in. That's that's right. uh, an option because there is an airport, uh, and uh, the major highways or interstates coming in would be I-29 north south and um, um, I-90 east west. They cross right into Falls. So. And yeah, and it's sort of in the southeastern corner of the state, so it's pretty yeah. close, you know, to Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota. So I think that was a good choice to have the conference there. Yeah, thank you. We we thought so too. We 
um, we also thought it would be a lot easier for um, getting speakers in. Um, at that point, when we planned the conference, Pier actually didn't have an airline that was serving serving it. <laughs> um, it now does, so that that uh, that's. Was, that's good for peer, um, but it was just much more uh, convenient to try to get everything into Sioux Falls this time. So that's what we did. And it's also convenient to anybody who wants to take an extra day and uh, visit uh, DeSmit and Walnut Grove. They're they're both close. Yeah, I did that last year, swung, swung over to DeSmet, and I think it's really nice because most people go to DeSmet in the summer, and uh, mm-hmm. one thing about South Dakota as compared to Iowa or a lot of places east of and north of uh, South Dakota is that it tends to be very dry, particularly where uh, grass is cut short and a lot of people walk. So normally what you're walking on is pretty much dried grass. But in April, there's actual green grass, and I got some right. green grass pictures, and it was so nice uh, mm-hmm. to be able to do that. So I, I do recommend uh, people take a chance to do that if they can. And I always tell people that um, unless you're going to be planning more trips back, that it is a, a good idea to – I try and hit uh, DeSmet and Walnut Grove on the same trip because they really are not all that far apart. No. You, have to, you really have to go ways on 14 instead of 90, um, or at least I think that's the, the better way to go, but it uh, still is very doable. And if you're planning a long trip that is uh, – planning a trip that um, is not one that you're going to repeat very often – I think that would be a great time to go and sort of uh, check things out. Right. And the, I agree. And the, and the crowds are going to be less, too. They're pretty non-existent in April. Yep, they are. <laughs> so. Okay, so if we have now convinced everybody that they need to come, is it too mm-hmm. late to register, and how do you register? No, it's not too late to register. Um, the The conference is not huge, however, so we will be capping. Excuse me, capping the online registration at 250. Um, just just so people know, um, and you register at history.sd.gov. And how many registrants do you have so far? You know, that's kind of a moving target, and I have not seen a count in quite a while, so I don't, I can't tell you that. Okay. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the speakers. You said these are the people who uh, were wrote in the essays in the book. So give us who are some people we might have heard of and who are some people we might not have. Okay. Well, Bill Anderson, of course, is someone you will have, will have heard of, uh, and he's talking about, as I say, about uh, the backstory of of Pioneer Girl uh, when people began to be aware of it, and when they um, when they when they didn't, and um, so he's he's he will be here. Um, who else? Well, John Miller, who did a biography of of. Um, uh, Wilder is also speaking. Let's yeah, we did. I, we, inter- 
we interviewed him last month, and he gave us a little bit of a preview. So oh, we're looking okay. forward to hear John. Okay, good. So um, the uh, Caroline Frazier, who is the um, editor of the Library of America's two-volume edition of the Little House Books, um, will be here. She's written, written on. She's she's going to be talking about the Bloody Benders and that whole episode and what that means in terms of of um, you know, the difference between fact and fiction and that sort of thing. Um, who else might you know? Sally Ketchum, who did a um, by uh, let's see, she did a biography of Wilder. Um, she'll be speaking on fairy tales. Um, and I think that and, and Noel Silverman, like I said. Oh, and the other one you might know is Anne Romines, who is who did the book on uh, constructing the little house. And uh, so she's she will be here. Some people you don't know that are going to be here are um, Michael Patrick Hearn who is a uh, independent scholar in New York City and he has he did the annotated wizard of oz the annotated christmas carol the annotated huckleberry finn and the victorian fairy tale book and he's going to be looking at wilder and wilder scholarship from the broader concept of um what um what uh, of children's literature um elizabeth jameson is um from the uh, university of calgary is going to be talking about uh, childhood and specifically Wilder's childhood and how that fits into the American West. And um, that's really a fun essay, or a, a fun, it's going to be a fun talk. So, uh, Amy Matson Lauders, uh, some people may know her because she did the, collect, the rediscovered writings of Rose Wilder Lane, a literary journalist. Um, she's going to be talking about Wilder's extended career um, and her FBI uh, encounters. <laughs> and uh, Paula Nelson's going to talk about, um, she's a, a professor emeritus in, from, in history, and she's going to be talking about um, Wilder, the, you know, the history of women's rights in Wilder's era. And that's kind of it. And then me, of course, I'll be talking um about um a little bit of everything related to Wilder so well i i as i say i was have been excited since i found out you guys are going to do Laura as a theme and you mentioned that um it kind of the theme rotates around do you think mm-hmm. you might uh do Laura again in the future at some point it's possible. Um, I don't know that we would necessarily dedicate an entire conference to her, but we may just, like we did the time before, um, she may fit into a uh, a theme such as foodways like that that where you you were on the program discussing foodways, and um, I, I can see, you know, we she's been a feature in other conferences through the years. We did one, well, I think actually the very first conference we did was called There's No Place Like Home. And um, we talked about children's lit um, writers, um, generally speaking. So I would say that the, there she will come in because she's such a big part of our history. So she will be, you know, she will feature in other 
people's uh, topics. Will she again be the the subject of a conference? You know, I can't anticipate that completely. It's it's possible we might do her again when we're in charge of the of the conference, just because we will have a number of new publications out at that point, and it might be a, a time to to talk about and reassess what we're what we're looking at. So I I can't tell you for sure, but we it's try not- very hard. Go ahead. I was just going to say, and it probably depends uh, if this is a sellout. Um, it always, like like with the Pioneer Girl itself, it always helps to to show a lot of interest. Exactly, exactly. So, if somebody can't make it to South Dakota, or it, you know, it didn't fit into their schedule at this time, or they've got a trip planned some other time, uh, is there a way that you can get the information? Are you going to have, uh, you mentioned that uh, most of these speakers are going to um, be in the book, but is there going to be any way to get that specific, what they talk about at the conference? You know, I, that stay tuned. I don't know for sure. The book, the book is, you know, the 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 full content of what they wrote, uh, as opposed to an abbreviated version of it, which is what the what the conference will be. Um, the panels, you know, we 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 haven't determined yet if we are going to uh, videotape the whole thing or not. Um, we'll be making that decision within the next couple of weeks here. So, we've done we've videotaped the conference in the past, and nobody uh, nobody buys them. So it's kind of a question of whether or not we think we have an audience for it or not. Okay. Well, you can get last year's, and as Nancy mentioned, I was speaking on Laura Ingalls Wilder uh, and Historic Foodways. It was all about different uh, foodways, and you can buy the DVDs of those, which I did, and there's information <laughs> about that on the blog. So not uh, nobody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'll link to that in the show notes for this episode to the blog post where I talk about that. So if you want to see that conference, which I cannot say enough about, it was very well done. I really enjoyed it. Um, and my mom, who came with me, uh, said that it was the best conference she'd been to in a really long while, too. So that's two strong endorsements, especially from my mom, because she's not easy to, to impress. Please. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, thank you, Sarah. And um, just uh, before we kind of move on from this, is there anything else that uh, you'd like to say about the conference? Um, well, we, there will be a reception on Friday night at which we will be featuring a, the Sergeant Creek Spring Band playing fiddle music. Um, so that's that's another feature for people to think about. Um, and I think that's about about it. The other thing to know, I suppose, is that the Holiday Inn City Center is right in downtown Sioux Falls, and we picked that location because if people fly in, um, the the whole area is walkable. You don't have to have a car uh, downtown. So, I mean, you okay. can have a car downtown, but but you can walk to the restaurants and the museum and different things. So. 
Okay. Well, that made me think of a couple more questions since I said, of course, that we were moving on. Uh, <laughs> uh, if if they want to go to um, the opening or the, the pre-conference event, uh, is that part of the registration too? Yes, or yes, it is. Yes, it is. Will will that be the only time that people will uh, be uh, signing the books? Uh, no, there will be. I'm, I don't think we have that set up exactly yet, but there will be other opportunities during the conference. Okay, okay well, that's good. Uh, if somebody wanted to add on the the uh, event, because the, the reception, they've already registered and they went pre-conference, and now they find out they're signing books. Is there a way they can add it? I I think I I think you can just add it when you get there uh, at the conference if you haven't um, already um, signed up for it. I think I think you can probably go out and amend your registration too. I don't I don't know the mechanics of that though. Okay, and what about parking? If somebody's driving in, is there plenty of parking if they don't stay at the conference hotel? That could get tough. Yeah, um, it, there, it's going to be city street. Par- the, the hotel has a has a has a good sized uh, parking lot. Um, it's got a parking garage, um, but uh, I don't know how parking will be. Um, I'm hoping it won't be a problem. Okay. I mean, if you're in the if you're coming to the conference, you can park in the hotel uh, parking lot. Um, and there's street parking as well, um, but I've seen it get I've seen it get full. Um, so I guess that's why I'm I'm a little bit hesitant about about that. You might have to park a little bit away and and walk, but it's as I've said already, it's not all that bad a walk. Uh everything's walkable downtown. So okay, if you have to park oh. a street over, you you you're not talking about that big a walk. So this okay. this is small town South Dakota after all. So Well, I think I think it's large town South Dakota, but that's still <laughs> I, I always get into um, well, I've I've gotten into discussions before where people talked about how small, like say Mansfield or Desmet is, and you know Desmet has two hotels and several bread and breakfasts and a campground. A small town in the Midwest means like broke, where you've got yeah. a museum and a couple houses, a couple churches, a cemetery, and a bar, and that's pretty much it. That's a small town. Yeah, you're right. Sioux Falls is a lot bigger than that. Sioux Falls is about 150,000. So it's a it's a it's the largest city in South Dakota. It's a metropolitan area. It's got lots to see and do. Um, there's some beautiful um, falls there, Falls Park. That's that's worth seeing, and you can walk actually from the hotel out to the falls. Um, it's a it's a hiking path. So it's um. There's just, I don't think parking is going to be an issue. Okay, good. Uh, the um, falls are quite lovely, and there's lots in in South in uh, in uh, Sioux Falls. And I will also point out to people who uh, share my great love for Cracker Barrel, there is also a Cracker Barrel in Sioux Falls. <laughs> 
So that is important to know. There's only three of them in Iowa, and I, I think Sioux Falls might be the only one in South Dakota. I believe I'm not so. sure. Yeah. Are you so sure if you, is it still I, there? It, the sign was there the last time I went by, but okay. that was last summer. So oh well, if I guess, it was last summer, I'm thinking it's probably still there. I guess I will have to double check that for the show notes too. But but I am a big South, Cracker Barrel person for Southern food. I really love it. So I get uh, the the fried okra and the turnip greens and all that. Oh wow! So you don't think of that much for South Dakota, but that is your chance to Cracker Barrel. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, and. Um, and and since I um, said it was the last question before, I will certainly come probably come up with another one. But just quickly, <laughs> it, who who do you see this conference pitch to? What sort of person uh, are you expecting to come? Well, that's a good question. Um, I I would what what we always try to do in conf- in conferences and in publications is have you do cutting edge scholarship uh, but gear it to the general uh general audience um so we will be we're we're going to be talking to a general audience um i think this audience will be a little bit different because so many of the people such as yourself um are very knowledgeable about wilder and her ways um so there's probably a higher um level of knowledge in the in in the general uh, um conference audience than there might usually be um it's not geared to academics um it's but it's but it is a slight it's a little bit different conference than last year there's not as many uh last year there was more some more anecdotal kind of thing going on this is a little bit more um based on scholarship okay well is there anything about Laura or uh, Pioneer Girl or the upcoming books or the conference that you really want to talk about that you haven't gotten a chance to yet? Oh, or are my gosh. questions <laughs> been so deep and penetrating that I have gotten everything that you possibly would want to say? Well, I'm sure you haven't hit everything, but you did have a good question list. So I don't find myself thinking, oh, well, I haven't talked about this or I haven't talked about that. Um, There are things we're just simply not quite talking about yet, um, but we will be soon. Um, And so, you know, maybe we can talk again after after that. Well, I Um, would like that very much. Okay. Uh, so let's just do sort of hit the high points again for people coming. If you want to register for the conference, uh, tell them again where you get that. You go to uh, you register online at history.sd.gov, G-O-V. So it's all lowercase, history.sd.gov. Um, and uh, the registration form is online, so if you want to right. register, you're going to do it that way. They have registrations, or I didn't go back and double-check before I did this like I should, but uh, the last time I looked, they had single-day registration or full conference. Right. The, uh, 
the pre-conference is a separate fee, and that is a fundraiser for the State Historical Society to spend often and spend well. Um, <laughs> and yes. if if they still haven't gotten a copy of Pioneer Girl, where uh, is the best way that they could do that? Oh, well, that would be to the e- the way that's easiest is just to go to the um south uh, the pioneer girl project dot org um it's all one word pioneer girl project dot org and you can order it right on that website um or you can go to s d h s press uh dot com order it there um by this time, I don't know if your your local bookstore should have it, <laughs> but um, um, they may have to order it for you if they aren't stocking it anymore. Um, then I guess that's the quickest way to do all these things. So. And you can also get them through the home sites, which also supports oh, them, so that's a good absolutely, thing. Absolutely, absolutely. That is a good and, thing. And then I forgot to say uh, when we were finishing up about the conference, and the res- I didn't look to see the date when the uh, block was going to be canceled, but I think that there's still um, rooms available at the conference rate. Right. At I think the hotel. You're right. right. Uh, which is always important. If you don't do conferences much, it is well worth it to be in the conference hotel. And uh, they always do organize a cheaper rate than normal. So make sure you tell them that you are with the conference when you make your reservation. Right. right. All right. And and then to flip back to books, because I'm being so organized here. Uh, when <laughs> you are. When is the uh, Pioneer Girl Perspectives, uh, the release date? Is it out already? I don't no, it will so. be re- it will be released to the public on May 18th, um, and it will be it will be available uh, pre-release at this conference only. Is uh, can people pre-order it? If well, that's that's another good reason to come to the conference if that's where you can get it. Can people <laughs> can people pre-order it? Yes, they can, and they can do that at the Pioneer Girl uh, Project dot org or um sdhspress.com either one of those websites you can pre-order it i think i'm not sure if uh they might be able to order it at the at the um at the discoverlaura.com uh, um from um the dismit site I think I've seen it up there. Not 100% sure, but it'd be worth checking to see if it's there. And we're almost out of time, but we talked about the the uh, pioneergirlproject.org, and that, uh, in case anybody hasn't checked it out, is a blog that uh, sort of gave updates uh, over the course of uh, the publication process of Pioneer Girl, and you're still doing blog posts, right? Yes, we are. There's a there's several blog posts about the content of the Pioneer Girl Project, uh, or Pioneer Girl Perspectives book. So if if you want a little preview of what we're going to be talking about, that's that's up there now in a series of blogs. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Nancy. Thank you for... Uh, calling into i don't know why it wouldn't let me call out to the number you gave me but uh we technology is great when it works so 
Uh, exactly. So thank you for coming on, and I hope we uh, can have you back sometime to talk about the okay. books. Okay. Thank you for thank you for asking me and and giving me and giving the conference such a generous uh, boost. So thank you. So uh, everybody else, remember that you need to come back and follow Trendlebed Tales, where we're going to have another uh, episode coming on Thursday, March 23rd at 8 p.m. Central Time. And we are going to be talking uh, with Lynn Belisco on maple syrup history and practice, just like Laura talked about in Little House in the Big Woods. So I hope you will join me again for that. Uh, We are continuing to work on having speakers uh, and episodes on a regular basis. So I hope that you are enjoying it and I will hear from you again. Remember to always brighten the corner where you are. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.